Hey guys, Travis Greenlee here with Epic Men Radio, rattling the cage and reigniting the fire. Imagine having a team of committed, authentic leaders who were fiercely loyal to your business success, who would do anything and everything in their power to ensure that you win. We're going to talk about this and a whole lot more in today's episode of Epic Men Radio. Rattling the cage and reigniting the fire. You're listening to Epic Men Radio. All right, guys. Hey, welcome to Epic Men Radio. And in today's episode, we're joined by best-selling author and leadership expert, Dov Barron. As one of Inc. Magazine's top 100 leadership speakers to hire, Dov Barron is an international leadership catalyst. He's the leading authority on authentic leadership and leadership succession, or as he prefers to call it, full Monty leadership. As the world's only corporate culture momentum strategist, Dov works with leaders and executive teams to build the bonds that create corporate cultures that become fiercely loyal. Dov's a best-selling author of several books, and his latest book is Fiercely Loyal, How High-Performing Companies Develop and Retain Top Talent. Dov also writes for and has been featured in many industry magazines, including CNN, CBS Small Business, Yahoo Finance, The Boston Globe, Business in Vancouver, USA Today, CEO, Entrepreneur. I mean, I could go on and on. Bottom line, Dov, you are at the top of your game, brother, and it's an absolute pleasure and an honor to have you with us. Thanks, Travis. Great to be here, mate. I'm, I'm honored to be invited and happy to serve. Right on, man. So you got a lot of stuff going on right now. Again, your book and you're traveling and you're speaking and man, it just, it just seems like such the rock star lifestyle, right? <laughs> Thanks for the comedy intro, rock star. Right. Right. Not so much though, in reality, huh? Because as we were talking about before, as leaders, being real and being authentic, we've got both sides of the tables. We've got the, the shiny side that like you know, most people see, and then we also have the reality as well. So let's talk a little bit about that. Let's look at the big picture and let's look at the authentic side in terms of how you've gotten to this place. Because I know you've got a super interesting background with the, the physical breakdowns that you've had and the accident that you've had and some of the financial things. So, so let's start there. Paint us a picture of the beginning career of Dodd Barrett. Jeez. Do we have a couple hours? <laughs> we, we do. We, we got about 30 minutes, so we'll do the Cliff Notes version. Okay, let's cool. do, the, do the Reader's <laughs> Digest. Okay. Right. Well, so um, right all the way back, born in a ghetto in northern England, uh, surrounded by abject poverty, uh, crime, violence, all the usual things you would expect from such an environment. Definitely the odd duck felt out of place, felt weird, didn't feel... I was interested in things that nobody was interested in. I was interested in philosophy and psychology, even as a kid, and asked weird, weird questions. In fact, at one point, I think my mother thought I was possessed. So she said, <laughs> be around these group of uh, rabbis and sort of help me get a little clearer. Um, I, uh, you know, back on the story that, I, because this is, guys, I want to share this. I actually got married at 20, uh, at 16. Whoa. 16 years old. Um, now, of course, you can't legally get married without parental permission at 16, and my mother was not giving it. So I took my mother to court, was my own lawyer, and I was in front of a judge called Judge Leslie Walsh. I remember him well. Apparently, he put my father in jail years before. And, uh, <laughs> he was known, he was famous for being tough. 
and I was up there and he said, um, he listened to me and then he said, you're the most intelligent, articulate 16 year old I've ever met. And if you're stupid enough to get married, who am I to be in your way? And boom, rubber stamped me and I got married. <laughs> Some good advice though at that young age though, right? I mean, if you only would have taken that advice. Huh? There you go. So, you know, I, I got married. Um, my daughter was born when I was 19. Um, so she's now, she's a little older than, than I was when I got married. Sure. And yeah. uh, so I, became, I was fascinated by this journey to travel the world and study. I, I was very business-minded. I was entrepreneurial. I started my first business at 15. But I found a career that would allow me to travel, and that's what I did. I traveled and I studied all over the world. And then in about 83 or 84, I started my speaking career 32 years ago and began teaching what it was that I'd learned, which was a blend of quantum physics, metaphysics, and psychology, and those three things came together. So it was pretty wild stuff and, and definitely out there for the day. That was back in Australia where I lived, and I toured and lived all over Australia. It had enormous success, moved to North America because I, would, I just couldn't go any further living out in Australia back in those days. Mm -hmm. Moved to North America, was at the top of my game. So I was on TV, radio, newspapers, magazines, all the things, books solid constantly, mm. came back and my manager said to me, you're exhausted, you gotta take a break. It's like, I didn't wanna take a break. Mm. I, I, I was definitely a workaholic and an adrenaline junkie and did all kinds of crazy stuff. She says, you're gonna wear me a mate, we've organized something. So I went up to uh, buy Whistler, which you, I'm sure you're familiar with. Sure. Olympics, went up there to a place called Brandywine Falls and on this particular fateful day, um, after being soaking wet, climbing through the falls, I decided to free climb up the cliff face. Um, free climbing I'd done before, but not in all wet gear with my mate. And about halfway up, I turned to my buddy who I could hear bemoaning behind me and said, you don't have to come this way. This is the hard way. Mm. I should have listened to my own advice. Mm. I was doing everything the hard way and didn't realize it. Mm -hmm. uh, and then at about 12 stories up, about 120 feet, I reached for a rock dislodged a bigger rock that hit me in the face, oh. put me hurtling down, not onto uh, gravel or shale or grass or any of those things, but actually onto massive boulders and I got smashed to pieces. Oh. That was the end of my life as I knew it. Um, but uh, I can tell you without a shadow of a doubt, being this ghetto kid who was tough and I was a leader and all of it, I was not gonna let that beat me. Hmm. Uh, and I, ha I went into this bullshit level of denial, which is, I'm, you know, people are like, how are you doing? I'm great. I'm good. I'm coming back. Meanwhile, my face is wired closed. I've had massive reconstructive surgery, but I'm coming back. And about nine months of that nonsense, I found myself on my living room floor collapsed, uh, wow. incapacitated mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually, at every possible level, weeping like a baby, hmm. and realizing there is no back. You can't put Humpty Dumpty together again. And at that point, there's three paths in front of me. The past back, which I now know it doesn't work. It's not going to happen. I've been trying that one. The next path, which was definitely the most seductive, which was to accept fate, to, to become the status quo, to say, oh, you know, it's all delusions of grandeur, dove. This is your shit, man. You just got to accept it. Get a job. Shut up. Mm. And that was tempting because it meant I didn't have to do much. And I just right. would buy into this whole victim crap that I'd been running. And the third path was, of course, to climb out of that hole. And like most people, when you find yourself in the hole, I 
and instead of climbing out, I had a shovel. So I dug deeper into that and got myself really in a very dark place. And it was from there that I had to re-examine my life purpose. What was it about? And this is the challenge that many, particularly men our age, face. We don't, you don't always have the trauma I had, but I believe all men go, all people go through a fall. And that fall is the point in time, we call it an identity crisis, where we must ask ourselves who we are. And unfortunately, most of us want to go back and try and do it you know, bigger and better. But it's not, that fall is not to make you come back. It's to reinvent you. It's to crack open the shell and reveal who you are. So that's the, the quick burst that led me to become who I am today and what it is that I do today, as you said. Inc. Magazine, Entrepreneur Magazine, Inc., Top 100 Speakers, etc. Right. All the cool stuff, right? I mean, man, you have come a long way and I love it. It's through that challenge and through desperation and through pain and through struggle and really, you know, taking yourself to the mat is when you're really reborn and, and being able to create a whole new path. Because think about it, if you wouldn't had gone through that situation, you know, with the fall and just the pain and the breakdown and the, you know, losing your confidence. I can imagine what that did for your confidence, you know, because I would imagine, you know, you're a little bit of an egomaniac back then, you know, at that early oh, stage. No, no, not a little bit. I was full blown. Full blown. Okay, full Monty. Yeah. I was full blown. You know, but here's the thing about it, and this is important for, for, for our viewers, our listeners, and that's this. If you'd have asked me on June 19th, 1990, the day before I fell, are you authentic? My answer would have been absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. Just as it would be to any of you watching this, you'll say, of course. Mm -hmm. But the truth of the matter is that authenticity is subjective and you can only know it at the depth of which you know it. The analogy I give is you're standing in the swimming pool facing the edge in the three-foot end and I say to you, are you at maximal depth? You say yes, because you don't realize that there's 10 feet behind you. And, and, and you can't realize that until something turns you around. In my case, falling off the mountain. And then I realized how full of shit I'd been. Mm. And I had to re-examine what, what was really my, my, what I call my soul driver, as opposed to my head driver, my ego driver. What was it about? And I can clearly remember after I fell in that recovery time, sitting with my mate once I had that breakdown, a, a buddy who was here just last week with me, and I, and, he, and I said, I remember sitting with him and saying, I can't do this anymore. He goes, what? I said, I can't speak. I can't work with people. I can't write. And he goes, really? You're so good. I'm done. I can't do it. A year later, just over a year later, maybe a year and a half later, I'm with him and he's actually sitting in my audience. And he said, uh, he said, what happened? Because there's obviously a change here. He said, you know, you said you couldn't speak anymore. You couldn't write and you couldn't work one-on-one. -on -one, and I just know you're doing all three of those. I go, no, I'm not. Mm. And he goes, what do you mean? You're not. I just, I'm in the audience. I know you are. I said, no. Mm -hmm. And he goes, what do you mean? I don't understand. I said, I am doing the same thing on the surface, but what I'm, where I'm doing it from is vastly different. Wow. It doesn't change on the outside. It's what goes on in here. And we as a society, particularly of men, are very driven to about what it looks like out there. Yep. And we don't understand that our greatest strength is turning inward, but we are fucking chickens. Right. We're scared of going inward. And until you face the mirror, until you look into the dark place, you will never know your power. You'll right. be in your head and you'll look powerful. You might have a billion dollars. I know I've worked with them. But until you look into that darkest possible place, as Campbell said, the place that is the darkest, the place you fear the most, that is where your power is. Mm -hmm. That's where the strength is. You must face your own dragon. Mm -hmm. 
And how did you do that, man? When you are your darkest place, I mean, man, as dark as it could be physically, mentally, emotionally, financially, just absolutely broken. How did you pull out of that? What did you do to begin to move forward? There's a, there's a, a book I'm writing right now, and it, it talks about different levels of, of, of development as we go through, particularly as men, but it's true for women too. And, and they fall into categories. And the first category is the, the category of, it's not the first three are not in order, but they can be moved around. But the first category is anger. Mm. I had to look at my anger. What anger was I in denial of? What anger was I turning away from? What anger was I pretending didn't exist? That would come out in snipey little remarks. That would be these little digs. That would be that self-loathing. That was anger. That was anger unexpressed. And I had to look at that place and go to that very fucking dark place yep. and realize I, I fantasized about smashing my old man, smashing my father in the head with a blunt object. And I had to embrace that. Yes, I would like to do that. No, am I going to do that? Of course not. It's impotent rage. But I have to face that that desire is in me. And that was part of, again, it was, it was wonderful that I'd done all that training before with all the different philosophies because one of my great teachers, Friar Jessup, who was a Buddhist monk, had said to me, gave me a mantra that I had to work with for two years that I never understood until after I fell. And the mantra was, the murderer lives in me. Every time you want to condemn, Remember, the murderer lives in you. And I was like, no, I'm better than that. I'm not that guy. I'm, I'm, I'm spiritual. I'm kind, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. No, the murderer lived in me. I, it was a, it's a fantasy. And going to that dark place of the anger was the catalyst to, because you can't have compassion for yourself if you don't face the anger that you have within. Because all the shit you've got going on with other people, it's all you. There's no other place. There is no world. You live in the mirror. You don't live in the world. What you're seeing out there is just you. So if it's pissing you off, like I look at Donald Trump and, and he's riling up of people and tapping into their fear and their anger, it pisses me off. But I go, ooh, that's still in me. Still a hot button. Okay, I got to look right. at that. Yep. Because it wouldn't bother me. There's a lot of him that I can just laugh at. But I see the implications and it reminds me to look back in my history and go, yep, I can remember when I was playing to people's fear. That was what I was doing. Mm. I can have compassion for him and not believe in what he's doing and not, not support it, but can have compassion for what's going on that I can see his dark shadow. So it's looking into those places where you don't want to look, looking into the places where you're Cleopatra, you're just a queen of denial and actually get straight about it's okay. It's okay. It doesn't make you a bad Christian or a bad Jew or a bad anything to feel those things. There's a wonderful story in the Bible Every, you know, Jesus is the, is, is the son of God. Well, that's about as good as you get. If, you know, if that's what you believe, that's about as good as you get. Okay, well, maybe read your Bible. Because at some point in time, you'll read that there's a point in time where he's walking past the temple and the money changes there and he loses his fucking temper and turns over the table and starts whipping these bastards. <laughs> Showing us the humanity. Right. This is an important lesson. It shows us the humanity. And, but we don't want to do that. We want to be better than we want to be distant, and that's not authentic. That's not vulnerable. Your power's in your vulnerability. Moses, a man chosen to lead people out and lead the slaves out of Israel, he killed an Egyptian, murdered him. Mm -hmm. Hold on a second. What about King David? King David, the chosen king. God chose him. David, which is his real name in Hebrew, means chosen, uh, uh, chosen by God, anointed by God. He has this chick come by, her name's Bathsheba. She is hot, man. She is so hot. <laughs> oh, I really like to get me some of that. 
<laughs> and he goes, okay, let's ship her husband off to the front line and get him bumped off so I can have some of that. Right. King Solomon, the wisest king ever, built the temple, the first temple to, uh, to, for this monotheist God, the single God. He's definitely the wisest king, the richest king ever. Sheba comes by, and man, she is this black bunny, and she is hot, man. She's got booty forever, and he's like, I want my son. <laughs> and he says, sure, come in the temple, put your idols up. All these stories of these great, wise, biblical people are there to show us the humanity. And us, as men, have got to embrace our humanity. And it doesn't make us pussies. It doesn't make us wimps. It doesn't make us, it makes us more powerful. Right. And I think that men really struggle with that because we know we've got to be more open, more vulnerable, but we're afraid of being pussies. And I think that's a terrible statement, but it's understanding that your strength is in your vulnerability. It's not separate from it. Right. So yeah. that was what, as you can see, I get kind of attached. Yeah, no, I love it. So that was it. I mean, you really connected to your power through your vulnerability rather than putting on this mask or continue to wear this mask that you had as the best-selling author, as the speaker and traveling around the world and so quote unquote successful. Yet in your own mind, you really knew that you were full of shit in a lot of respects. I don't know that I did know that. That's the point. I think uh, it takes a catalyst. Uh, this is my point. I think it takes a catalyst. Yep. If you'd have asked me the day before, I would have said, no, I'm not full of shit. And I would have, I would have, I would have had a, an inkling. Yes, I would have had an inkling because right? I was aware enough to know that. But I think it takes a catalyst. I think you are anointed into this. In, in mythology and in archetypical stories, it, it's called the baptism of fire. There's something happens. Right. You get diagnosed with cancer. Your yep. wife leaves you. You, 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 you go bankrupt. Yep. You fall off a freaking mountain. You, you get in a mad, bad car crash. You, what, you lose your career. All these things are the baptism of fire. And the problem is we try to go back. We go, well, I'm going to rebuild myself. Go back. There is no back. You can't put Humpty Dumpty together again. It's a catalyst to move you forward. When the crack in the shell comes, don't put a Band-Aid on it. Crack it open. The sweetness of who you are is the yoke. And you can't get to the yoke without breaking the fucking shell. I love it. God, so powerful, brother. So incredibly powerful. And I know that this is how you specialize in working with your clients, helping them to get real with themselves and with each other to enhance their communication, their cooperation. I mean, everything, you know, from a leadership perspective. It's that bond. Right. So how do we do that then without jumping off a mountain and landing on our face in the rocks? Or, answer, right? or, or you know, going bankrupt or any of these types of things. For the guys watching and listening in right now, what could be a step? What could be an action step that we could look at or we could put into place that would allow us to begin to break through that, to get more real, to get more authentic, to, like you say, crack that shell open to be able to really begin to move forward in, in owning our power as opposed to where we've been? What would you suggest? Um, as I said, I think that most often it takes a catalyst and there's usually a tragic event. And, and I, I've always said that uh, because I was thick, uh, because my ego was thick and I was thick, it mm. took a fall off a mountain. Yep. But it doesn't have to take that. It can take a twisting ankle. It can take a small event that just is choosing to have the awareness. And the awareness is this. What is this telling me? Mm. What is this reminding me? What is this bringing me to? And we like to go, it's nothing, I'll get over it. Right. It's no big deal. But you didn't break your finger or your arm or you didn't uh, have that just that little tiny bang with the car. It, just uh, you uh, get to this place, and this is where I live, is 
that I am in constant communication with everything around me and everything around me is in constant communication with me. It's not some new age dingling shit. This is actually quantum physics. It's the law of resonance. I'm in communication with everything. Therefore, everything is sending me feedback, data. And if I pay attention to that, I get to learn the signs for where I'm off track and on track. And, and unfortunately, my ego is also paying attention. So it's looking for where it's on track. And I got to go. And so the question that comes for right. me, this is my question for me. It's not necessarily for you. It might not work for you. But for me is when I'm asked, is this right or wrong? I don't know the answer to that. I don't know because that's, that's a, a, a simple, slippery moral road and based on a lot of social conditioning. But when I ask myself, does this evolve my soul? Mm. That's a very different question. Mm. Does this evolve my soul? I can do this. I can make a shitload of money. Um, I can do this. I can get some fame. But does it evolve my soul? If it doesn't, I it. Wow. I, I, I'm not going to be good with that. That's, so that's it. the place you come back to. Yep, your core. You know, coming back to the core, your soul, and yep. being present, being aware. You know, listening, whether it's like you say, an argument with your spouse, maybe, or something happens financially and you take a little dig, whatever it might be, but being aware. I think so many of us as guys, we just want to shut that off, right? We, we don't want to sort of look at it. Oh, it's all good. Everything's fine. Just keep moving down this road without stopping and taking the time to be aware and to be present and to, like you say, get to the soul. Really, this is the dilemma of men is we're socially conditioned to say it's no big deal. And, and, and we think we're wimps if we say it's a big deal. Well, guess what, mate? That's how it works. You have to pay attention to the signs or else you are a fucking lemming who's going off the edge of the cliff. Yep. And you might go out in a blaze of glory, but you're going to go out and, and you've got bigger things to do. Every one of you watching this, I want you to grasp this. I know that there's a lot of people like... Travis has put together this amazing program. He brings on phenomenal guests and he's invited you into a community that is so awesome. Honor that by showing up as you in your best possible way. Not as you in your most shiny version, but you in your most authentic, most real version, which means turning up and sometimes not being a moaner and a complainer, but being vulnerable. And I'm going to tell you the distinction because I work with high level executives, very like CEOs, billionaires, high level uh, entrepreneurs. Uh, pro athletes, all those people. And I say, listen, vulnerability is your power. And they go, well, you know, but I don't want to moan and complain. Hold on a minute. This isn't about pissing, moaning, and whining. Real vulnerability comes hand in hand, set together with accountability. And that goes like this. I'm in this shit here, mate. I'm really stuck, lads. I'm sitting around. I'm in my community. I'm, I'm part of the, the Epic Man community. I'm, I'm with the lads. And I'm saying, okay, I'm really struggling here, lads. Here's what's going on for me. And I'm going to share the pain of whatever it is. You know, I, I, I felt like killing the wife last night. Uh, you know, I, whatever it is. I mean, not literally, but, you know, upset sure. with the kids. You know, yep. Business is really struggling. Whatever it is. And, and saying, I am accountable. This is my life. I'm accountable for changing this. So I need input. And the only way I can get real input is to be real. If I sell you this top, top level, you're going to give me a top level answer. If I tell you the depth, you're going to give me the depth that you have. So let me be accountable to that and then have my peers say, okay, X, Y, Z. And you go, okay, I'm going to take on A, B, and C, X, Y, and Z. I'm going to do those things. And I need you to hold me accountable to doing that so that I'm not showing up next month pissing my wine in a moment again, but right. rather that I'm in action. And, and they struggle. 
and can I reach out? Mm-hmm. Strong people ask for help. Weak people don't. And men are trained to be weak because we're trained not to ask for help. And that's stupid. Exactly. And it keeps us in this place of being small and all the challenges and all the problems that we're associated with. Fantastic, brother. I mean, this is huge. Question I've got for you in terms of your clients, you know, so working with the types of clients that you have, and again, you know, top leaders, top CEOs, you know, top of the game, these guys that are just so out there. And again, on the surface, you would think they're so successful in so many different ways. What are their typical challenges? What are their breakdowns and how do you support them and how do you serve them specifically? It's pretty much what, I, what I've been talking about here is the challenge is just like mine, mm. um, is that they, they look like they're at the top of their game. They are at the top of their game in every way that you and I would measure that in that they, you know, they've got the big house, they've got the big car, they've bought the wife a new set of tits, you know, whatever it is that's made <laughs> them, seriously, right? No, I know, got it. have <laughs> done all those things and, and they're about to, usually there's a, there's a catalytic moment where they're about to do something big and there's this emptiness of it. There's this realization that there is a high that comes from doing it but it doesn't last anymore. The, the high they got 10 years ago from this is not the same high anymore. It's seeming kind of empty. And there's that, what I call an identity crisis moment that makes them go, okay, this isn't working. What do I need? Mm. And so at a personal level, when I'm mentoring, that's what brings them to me is what's next. I'm already at the top. So what's next? And, and I, you know, in fairness, I also work with people who are, who are entrepreneurs who are not at that level, but they're also saying, what's next? I need to reinvent myself. But this is not a marketing thing because, you, you know, you know as well as I do. There's a million opportunities every day and the next shiny object is, oh, I could do that. Well, again, coming back to the soulful level, is that true for you? Does that really fit with you? Is that in honor of who you are or is that the next shiny object? So that's also a piece too. When I work with them in in companies, it's bringing them back to what authentic leadership is and putting that as part of the culture. I work a lot with wealthy families, Mm -hmm. their their succession program, which is usually quite horrible. They've got the, the... the quantitative covered, you know, they've got the assets sorted out and all the rest of it, but the real, the transference of power and control, that's the, the issue. And, you know, if we're identified with, I am this power, I am this identity, then it's very difficult to give it up because who are you now? We, we see it, you know, we call it in women, empty nest syndrome. The kids have left, they've gone to college. Who am I now? I was a mom. Well, I see this in men who are, 55, 65, you know, around that, it's like, okay, I'm done with my business. Who am I now? Because I used to be Joe Blow, CEO, president, chairman of, and now I'm just Joe Blow, and I don't want to play golf for 10 years, or actually eight, because that's probably when you're going to be dead, because people are dead within seven, eight years of retirement. Look up the stats. Yeah. Because there's no soulfulness. Yeah. And so I, they come to me and go, okay, so what's next? Help me get to that. And, and I walk them into the dark cave. So that when they come out on the other side, and it's in, it's without doubt, they come out on the other side, and there's a transformation. Mm-hmm. I, I was talking to a client last week. We've been working together eight months, and he says to me, he's from Australia, and he calls me. He says, he says, how many? What did I hire you as? And I says, as your business mentor. That's what I do. And he goes, yep. He said, how many business conversations have we had? And I said three. <laughs> I know exactly how many. Three. 
And he goes, yeah, that's weird. And I go, why? He goes, well, I hired you as a business mentor. We've only had three business sessions, but I got to tell you. And I said, what? He said, my business has grown, wait for it, 5,000%. Wow. 5,000%. Wow. And I said, that's awesome. He goes, but I don't understand. How is that possible when we only had three business conversations? I go, well, first of all, the business conversations were very significant. And he goes, yeah, that's true. And I said, second of all, it's because you're beginning to grasp that there isn't you and then business. There's only you in business. Mm -hmm. So work on you, business transforms. And that's the deal. Work on you, your relationships transform. Your marriage, your relationship to your kids, your business, it all transforms. It's here. Yep. All coming back. Yep. Yep. How about a process? You know, how about a ritual? You know, I know we talk about the importance of Tony Robbins, you know, the, the power hour, you know, getting up in the morning, whether it's prayer or meditation or exercise. What do you do personally for yourself to get you in that state where you can be the leader that you are? And more importantly, so you can serve others at the level that you do. And then also, what do you recommend for others to help them to get into that state? So again, I've got to come back to I don't give a fuck what your ritual is. It doesn't matter what your ritual is because mm -hmm. if there's no fuel in the tank, mm -hmm. it's a waste of time. You're just going through the motions. And what I mean by that is if you don't come back to your own center, if you don't know what's driving you at a soulful level, you can take Tony's rituals. You can take my rituals. You can take Bob Berg's rituals and any of the other great guests that you've had on there and people that I know. I know lots of these mm -hmm. very amazing people. Yep. But what I know about the ones who are truly successful, and there's a distinction there in quotes, truly, mm. because success is more than, than accolades, it's, it's fulfillment. The ones who do that are deeply connected to their why and not superficially, because I know since Simon Sinek, we've all done this superficial idea, well, this is my why, and then I sit down and go, that so isn't your why. Mm. It's just the shiny object you picked because it sounded cool. Digging deep into that depth, then when you put that into the ritual, it's a very different deal because I literally wake up in that state mm. because I'm so connected to that peace and that that drives everything. Do I have a ritual? Of course I do. Mm -hmm. Of course I do. Meditation, working out. I'm, I'm 58 years old. Mm. Uh, as of last week, I've been working out for 40 years. I've been working out for 40 years. Yep. That's working out with weights. I was, a, I was a runner. I was a cyclist. I did martial arts. I boxed. But weights have been consistent all the way through. Mm -hmm. And that is a way for me to do uh, what I call moving meditation. I'm very focused when I train. So there's that. There's my writing, which is part of my ritual. And obviously, of course, for me, reading. I read a minimum of an hour a day. Um, I watch and learn. Learning is for me, it's like, you know, it's food. I, I got I to gotta learn every day. I want to grow and learn. I got to write, so I got to express. I got to have a way to get out what's inside. So I do that through writing or through videos, meditation, working out. And I am very, uh, I'm considered a bit of a health nut when it comes to food. I eat mm. in a way that honors and supports the body. Simple thing is, this is a vehicle. So do I want a, a falling apart Chevy? Or do I want... Uh, Bentley. I want a Bentley. So, <laughs> I want a Bentley. And, and I want to transport my heart, my soul, and my mind around in a Bentley, not in some jalopy that's falling apart. Right. I don't care how enlightened you are. If the vehicle's falling apart, who gives a shit? 
<laughs> Bro, I love it. Absolutely fantastic information. Some, I mean, one takeaway after another. Our guys are going to get so much out of this. And I want to thank you again so much for your time. I know how busy you are and I know how much you've got going on. So if our guys want to learn more about you, you know, look at your background. I know you got your books. You've got all these things going on. The possibility of working together with you. Um, where should they go to find more information about you? Well, first off, thank you for, for asking that. And I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to do that. You can find out more about me generally by going to fullmontyleadership.com, just like the movie, fullmontyleadership.com. There you can tap into my blog. It just, there's more articles. There's all kinds of great things on there. The podcast, the podcast is Leadership and Loyalty Tips for Executives. We're number one uh, podcast for Fortune 500 and a bunch of other categories. You can find that great guests like, like you have, wonderful guests on there, as well as there are pieces separate from me. Um, Entrepreneur Magazine, I write for them. But on the website, you can find out about booking me to come in and speak to your organization, your conference, and about working with me one-on-one. -on -one. It just says mentoring. You can look at that. And if you, uh, of course, YouTube and Twitter and Facebook and tw uh, Twitter is the day, the Dove Baron. So at the Dove Baron, Facebook, etc. And if you're really committed and you really want to dig into this, I'm going to give you my email address, and that is dov at dovbaron.com. You can write to me personally. We can set up a little 20-minute chat over Skype and find out if there's a fit. Again, Dov, thank you so much, man. And guys, again, if you're listening in, if you're watching in right now, and if you're at that place in life where you really want to take that next step, where you want to crack that shell open, and you want to get authentic, and you want to find your true power, man, look him up. Check out Dov. Hit him up with an email. Go to his website. Find him. He can certainly do so much for you. So thanks again, brother. So appreciate you. Thanks, Travis. Pleasure, mate. Honored to be here. Thanks for listening to Epic Men Radio. Rattling the cage and reigniting the fire. Be sure to share Epic Men Radio with other men in your tribe so no one will ever miss a single empowering episode. You can find us at epicmen.com. Epicmen.com.